Hello, this is Robin Spence, and today we will be mapping hypnotherapy on the 15-Minute Matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on the clinical relevance of the functional nutrition matrix, the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. The matrix not only causes us to stop and assess, but it reminds us of three very important factors in our care recommendations, and outcomes. Everything is connected, we are all unique, and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15 Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Robin Spence. Robin spent 16 years in the corporate arena as an accomplished consultant until a serious health challenge left her struggling to cope. She made a conscious decision to transform her health. As a clinical hypnotherapist, functional nutrition practitioner, and coach, Robin supports women and men who struggle to manage the emotions and thoughts that impact their mental health. Her expertise is in reprogramming the mind, and she helps her clients to understand how they think. Robin believes that the forgotten part of cleaning up our health is cleaning up our thinking. And Robin's clients learn how to manage their emotions in ways they were not taught in school. Robin is trained in classical hypnotherapy and rapid transformation therapy, and as you'll hear me say, I am proud to also say that she is a Functional Nutrition Alliance certified functional nutrition and lifestyle practitioner as well. So let's get started with this very important conversation about reframing our thinking in healthcare. Robin, welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm so excited to be here with you. Thank you, Andrea. I'm just really thrilled to be here with you. I am so proud to call you a graduate of the Functional Nutrition Alliance Full Body Systems and Functional Nutrition and Lifestyle Practitioner Certification Program. And what I love about that community is that you all bring other backgrounds and different scopes to the table. And you have a background that I don't know a lot about. And it's our topic today, and that's hypnotherapy. And I'm wondering if you could start us out, Robin, by talking about what is hypnotherapy? How can we all get on the same page about it? I'll give you the classical um, kind of definition of hypnotherapy and then my thoughts on what I do. So hypnosis is, is a process for inducing a relaxed state of the mind and a space for communication between the conscious and the unconscious mind. So a great deal of hypnosis, I believe, is self-hypnosis. It's kind of an inside job. You know, we go in and out of states of consciousness all the time. It's how we take in new information. You know, everything is classified, stored, and filed in our minds. 
But I like to think of hypnosis as a state of heightened suggestibility. Mm. You know, it influenced our brain's ability to adapt, to learn new things, and specifically to focus our awareness. That's pretty amazing to think of it through the self lens. So through your personal definition of what you do in your practice, and I know you really like to reframe the way we are thinking about a situation, is it something we can do on our own or teach our clients or patients to do on their own? Or does it require a hypnotherapist to do it to us, if that makes any sense? That's an excellent question. And so I do think one can be taught to, can learn self-hypnosis. But I'm sort of like a guide, you know. Um, If you think about driving, I I kind of give my clients directions to the destination. Um, I know the shortcuts and you can choose whether you want to follow my directions at any point, but you're totally in control. So if we, if we think about focusing our awareness, we think about maybe the critical factor. And we think about that critical factor of in our mind where we analyze, we criticize, and we judge. And yes, it's that way, but more importantly, that acts as a barrier. Mm. So the conscious mind is maybe 10% of our total mental capacity. And the unconscious mind holds about 90% of that. Hmm. And that's where all our capabilities are, our habits, our emotions, the automatic processing. It's all kind of in our unconscious mind. So if you can imagine trying to solve a problem with only a tiny bit of your mind using that conscious mind, that 10%, but the unconscious mind thinks about the problem and it knows the solution. And we have like unlimited resources there. So I do think, you know, once a person is taught hypnosis or self-hypnosis, they can open up those barriers or bypass that critical factor to get inside and kind of change the way we think. I love how you're describing it. It's making me have a bit of self-reflection. You know, I tend to be a judgmental, not in that I'm judging people, but I have a high faculty for critical thinking. But I also have to go into that place in my mind where the best ideas come in that waking state in the morning or in the shower, right? Is it that part where we're tapping into our conscious mind that you as a guide are helping us go to? Yeah, yes, it's exactly that. So, you know, once you kind of know and you tap into what's going on inside your mind that gives you a result maybe that you don't want, there are so many ways of changing it. And hypnosis is just one of those ways. For example, anxiety. Um, You can learn techniques to manipulate your internal dialogue. So as we all know, anxiety is not easy without the internal dialogue. You know, we, we nitpick ourselves and someone with anxiety is telling themselves, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. I feel stressed. You know, I'm fat. I'm ugly. Right. And every day we're kind of telling ourselves these things. I can't cope because of my anxiety. So the brain is constantly looking for evidence to show you how you can't cope. But let's say you're doing like that tier one work and that tier two work and you start to feel better, but you haven't dealt with that internal dialogue. Mm, Guess what? Right. Your thoughts are still there. I can't cope because of that ruminating loop. 
that you're running in your head. And that's that 10% of the conscious mind that's coming up against that 90% of the unconscious mind where the emotions and the habits are stored. It's like blocking your conscious thoughts. And when it comes to emotion and logic, I'm going to tell you, emotion wins every time. Mm. I was just writing a bit about grief and looking at the realm of anticipatory grief, right? Where we mix grief with fear. And it's that fear that you're talking about, the I can't or the what if is a place where a lot of people live. And what you're talking about is how we clear and calm the mind of the thinking that clouds our ability to go into possibility. Yes, it's sort of like the mind is also like a dusty house. Mm, right. Sometimes we need to declutter our thoughts and get them out and allow them rather than sort of restraining or buffering. You know, our thoughts control our feelings. Our feelings control our actions and our actions determine our outcomes, Hmm. but it all starts with a thought. And that emotion can be so powerful. One thing you said, Robin, is that when we're in this process with you as a guide, we are totally in control. (laughs) And as someone who likes a bit of control, that's not typically how we think about hypnotherapy. We think that we as the client or patient or person being guided is out of control and that you, as the hypnotherapist, are in control. Can you reframe that for us a bit? Yes, it's the classic scenario in which people think, you know, hypnotherapy, you know, I'm being guided, I'm going somewhere, I can't come back. Someone's going to make me bark like a dog or, you know, (laughs) crack like a duck. It's just not, not possible. Or, you know, that whole idea that, you know, I'm being controlled. You're not asleep. It's just a relaxation of the nervous system. It's a relaxation of the mind. And in terms of the matrix, the hypnotic state of focused concentration can provide like a highly effective way to deal with stress because it's connecting with the autonomic nervous system and specifically the parasympathetic system. And so, you know, when when you think about it's just a calming of the nervous system and a place in that unconscious mind that allows us to take meaningless events that may have happened as a child and then reflect. And and then it shows us how those events aren't dominating us in the way that they think they are. Yeah. So you're talking about why we would do hypnotherapy or pursue it in an integrative fashion for ourselves as practitioners, but also maybe make a recommendation to clients and patients to go this route from a physiological perspective. Can you articulate a little bit of the who, like who does this work for? Who do you work for where you see these practices really have their greatest impact? Okay, so my practice is kind of, well, I think it's kind of interesting. I work a lot (laughs) with fertility issues where people Mm. have not been given a diagnosis as to why they can't conceive. So it may be a block there. Um, You know, perhaps there are some issues there around why they don't really want to have a baby that haven't been dealt with. 
And so I find that, you know, getting into that subconscious and, and really pulling out the why and what's holding that person back and reframing those limited beliefs has a huge effect. Um, also with, with people who have disordered eating, understanding that, you know, the food is just the thing that you use. It's what's going on in the brain. What are you telling yourself? What are you comforting yourself with? What are you pushing down? Let's bring that up to the surface. Let's examine that and let's reframe that belief. So I find hypnosis works very, very well in those instances. And also, you know, I give people emotional affect regulation tools to kind of use, you know, words to say to yourself or things, a way of reframing the things that we constantly think. For instance, I can't because of my anxiety. I can't cope. I just can't cope. And I say, well, maybe you have phenomenal coping skills. Try saying that. See mm -hmm. how that feels. That feels a lot better than I can. And my anxiety, you know, my multiple sclerosis, stop owning it. It's the anxiety, the multiple sclerosis, because the words we tell ourselves are powerful. And that brings us right into the what can we do? So knowing that you have the ears and the attention of many practitioners that likely can't come to see you to receive your guidance. How would you talk to us about guiding or reframing a word I love, as you know, the conversation that we hear our clients and patients having around their health journey? I think part of it is separating fact from story. Mm. And we talk about the story a lot. Yes. Um, what is the truth? You know, questioning our thoughts rather than just taking them on face value as being truth. You know, we have 60,000 thoughts a day. Most of them aren't true. If we challenge them, we'll find that a lot of them relate to the story we're telling ourselves. So separating that fact from story is, is a big thing for me because the words that we are telling ourselves, you know, those sentences have a huge impact. And then if we start to think about, you know, how can we use maybe self-hypnosis as a way of just tapping into the conscious mind? It gives the conscious mind a break. So the unconscious mind can assimilate all the negative data that we're telling ourselves or all that negative data that's disrupted by stress. And so I love self-hypnosis. I just think it's a beautiful tool because it just allows someone to just have a break, to have a break from all of the, the negativity and the words that we're telling ourselves and the story and separating that story from fact, I think is is something that's really important because again, our thoughts control our feelings, our feelings control our actions, and our actions dictate our outcomes. So if we can control that narrative, then that's where it starts. I love how you're talking about this, Robin, and I have one final question for you. And that is about how we slow it down as practitioners. I love having you in our community because you're such a thoughtful practitioner. You bring a lot of, I'm going to say critical thinking, but it's thoughtful in tune critical thinking to the conversations that we have in our community. And I so appreciate that about you. And it's a hard thing to teach 
practitioners, as you and I see, are often rushing ahead. They're rushing to the fix and they're not stopping to hear the nuances in the language that we may need to reframe. Is there any tip or trick that you can tell us about how you learned to slow that process down to really listen and assess before rushing ahead? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. And I think it's just, you know, listening with all our senses um, to what the client is saying or not saying and just allowing the client to tell their story because there's so much importance in their story, but also as practitioners coming to it very clean, you know, in terms of our own mindset yes. without judgment, cleaning up our thinking before we engage with clients. I think that's really a really important tool because a lot of times we will go in and we think we already know what the problem is. Mm -hmm. We think we know what the client is feeling or thinking. But if we kind of clear that judgment and do that process on ourselves and come into the situation with a clean mind, clean up our own thinking, then it allows us to hear what the client is really saying. And I think that process has been a gift for me. It's taken me a long time to learn it, but <laughs> yes, it is the gift. <laughs> yeah. And you, you share that gift so broadly, and I'm so grateful for that. Robin, thank you for sharing your wisdom with us and bringing us into a world that I knew little about, but I feel like I have a better understanding of now. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Andrea. It's been just delightful um, talking to you. So thank you so much. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. Check out the latest in functional nutrition at functionalnutritionlab.com forward slash blog. The 15-Minute Matrix is produced, mixed, and edited by Rowan Bradley with production support from Natalie Merrill and the team at the Functional Nutrition Alliance. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics and more incredible guests at our podcast website, that's 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified each time there's a new nugget waiting for you, please go to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. Also, feel free to get in touch with us. We'd really love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, who you'd like to hear on the next podcast. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com. 